I heard uh, once of a woman uh, who tragically died uh, relatively young, and she left behind a husband and her young child. And the night uh, after the funeral, uh, the child couldn't sleep, and uh, his father sat with him and held him, and eventually uh, was able to rock his son to sleep. And he uh, gently laid his son in his bed and, exhausted, uh, he collapsed into an armchair, and he prayed simply to God. And he prayed, Father, uh, now would you rock me? And he would testify later that God did. God comforted him as he had just comforted his young son. But you might wonder, is such language appropriate when speaking of the God of the whole universe? The God who, as we sang in our first hymn, created the world, the mightiest king there is. Uh, is it appropriate to describe him uh, as like a mother uh, rocking us to sleep? Well, the answer is yes. Uh, and the reason the answer is yes is because we've actually just read it. Uh, I don't know if you noticed it, but we read it in Isaiah chapter 66 and verse 13. And in verse 13, God himself speaks. And he says, as one whom his mother comforts, so I will comfort you, and you shall be comforted in Jerusalem. God himself describes his comfort and his love as like the comfort of a mother who is easing the pain of her small child. Uh, It's interesting, isn't it? Uh, that God would choose the picture of a mother. Uh, In this instance, he doesn't use the picture of a father, even though, of course, God is repeatedly described uh, in masculine terms in the Bible. But nevertheless, here, he chooses the picture of a mother. I think we can understand that, can't we? Uh, There's something unique about a mother's love. Uh, a mother's tender care, as we sang about in one of our previous hymns. And Charles Spurgeon, the famous Baptist preacher, put it like this. Uh, he said, a father can comfort, uh, but I think he is not much at home in the work. Uh, when God speaks about his pity, he compares himself to their father. Uh, like as a father pities his children, so the Lord pities them that fear him. But when he speaks about comfort, he selects the mother. When I have seen the little ones sick, I have felt all the pity in the world for them. But I did not know how to set to work to comfort them. But a mother knows by instinct how to do it. That's why we talk famously of a mother's care. Now, sadly, of course, that's not always the case. Uh, Not every mother, it seems, has that instinct. 
Um, perhaps people here have had mothers who were not as caring or as loving as they should have been. Uh, but did you notice the verse on the front of your service sheet this morning? Uh, earlier on in the book of Isaiah, God spoke and he said, Can a woman forget her nursing child and not have compassion on the son of her womb? Surely they may forget, yet I will not forget you. God says quite clearly that, yes, mothers, earthly mothers can fail. Uh, Earthly mothers are not all they should be all the time. But God's love never fails. His love is better than the best of mothers. But let's just drag that, uh, drag us back to the here and now um, at the moment. Uh, For although this verse sounds very comforting, uh, it's the kind of verse that you could put on a calendar, isn't it? Uh, Hit July and see this lovely verse from Isaiah 66, verse 13. Uh, Or perhaps you could put it into a card, uh, perhaps on Mother's Day. Uh, And you could write it in and it looks lovely in the card. But this whole passage raises some questions. As I said earlier, it's not immediately clear what this passage is all about. And it begs the question, who does God comfort? Why does he comfort them? When does he comfort them? Uh, We live in a world of pain and difficulty. Uh, There's much injustice in the world. The Bible also speaks about how God is a God of justice and a God who will punish iniquity. So where does this verse fit into that, given the fact that the Bible does speak of a hell? Do you see the problem? We can take this verse and kind of take comfort from it by itself, but it leaves lots of questions unanswered. After all, Isaiah is an ancient book. It was written originally to people in a very different situation to what we find ourselves in today. Uh, You wouldn't pick up any book and just start reading in the middle. Uh, If you did, you shouldn't be surprised if you don't understand, you don't have a clue what it's talking about. Uh, To understand a book, you need to go back to the beginning. And to understand this verse about God's compassionate care and his love, we need to go back to the beginning. Not just the beginning of Isaiah, though that would be helpful, but even back to the beginning of the Bible itself. Uh, To understand what this passage is about and what this verse, verse 13, is about, and whether we can apply it to ourselves, we need to understand the big picture of the Bible. We need to go back ultimately to the book of Genesis. Uh, In the book of Genesis, which means beginnings, God explains how the world got to be where it is today. Uh, It describes uh, how God created this world perfect. Uh, God said when he saw it, it was very good. And he made humanity, he made male and female and he said they were very 
good and they lived in perfect harmony with one another. But we, humanity, turned away from God. We stopped listening to his instructions and we turned our own way. As Isaiah himself says, uh, all we like sheep have gone astray. And that happened right at the beginning. And Adam and Eve turned away from God. They were deceived by the serpent and the beauty of creation fell. It fell from its beauty into uh, a world of pain, of sickness, of darkness. Uh, It fell from its original beauty. Uh, Instead of there being harmony in creation, God said thorns and thistles would spring up. Uh, Instead of work being joyful and um, uh, easy and a joy... Work would become hard and difficult and a toil. And instead of childbirth being simply an event of great joy, it would also be accompanied with great pain. And in these various ways, God describes how the world became uh, hard and a difficult place because we turned away from him. But nevertheless, God did not give up on humanity. Uh, He did not give up on Adam and Eve, and he did not give up on us. And he made a promise right at the beginning of the Bible in Genesis chapter 3. He said that the descendants of Eve, the seed of the woman, would undo the harm that the serpent had brought in by his deception. One day, one of Eve's descendants would save this world. And that was a promise right from the beginning. And that theme goes out throughout the Bible, this theme of a mother giving birth to a saviour son. It's all the way through the Old Testament. If you go through from Genesis, uh, you read on and you discover that people don't get any better. Uh, People don't improve. They, just like Adam and Eve, continue to turn away from God until eventually you Uh, We're introduced to this character, Abraham, and Abraham is chosen by God, and God chooses Abraham and draws him out from Babylonia, uh, from Ur of the Chaldees where he lives, and he tells him, I'm going to make you into a mighty nation, and through you, all nations of the world will be blessed. In other words, God's saying that your descendants, Abraham, will fix the harm That was done at the beginning. Your descendants, Abraham, will be a blessing to the whole world. God was going to use Abraham's descendants, the nation of Israel, to fix what Adam and Eve had broken. But we move on. We move on from Genesis and we go into Exodus and we see the story of the children of Abraham. We see the story of Israel and we discover that Israel fails as well. Uh, Israel also uh, turns away from God. Although they have this wonderful privilege of being chosen, the chosen people of God, they turn away from God like sheep going astray as well. And the saviors need saving themselves. And God chooses a shepherd boy. His name's David. 
And he tells David that his descendants will always sit on the throne of David. And through David, he will establish the kingdom of Israel. David's kingdom will never come to an end. It will be everlasting. Through David, salvation will come to Israel and through Israel to the whole world. You know what I'm going to say next, don't you? David's descendants fail as well. Uh, David has a son, Solomon, who starts with great hope and expectation, but ends his life with idolatry and failure. And that's the story of David's descendants. Until Isaiah steps onto the scene. And Isaiah says that despite the failure of David's descendants till this point, there's one coming who will be better than all who went before. He says, as we learn at Christmas in Isaiah 7, that behold, a virgin will conceive and bring forth a son, and his name will be Emmanuel. And this son of David, as I say, will be different from all the rest. He will redeem David's kingdom. He will redeem Israel, and he will be the saviour of the world. And that's really the story of the Bible. What I've just given you there is, in a nutshell, the story of the Bible to where we are today, because that baby, Emmanuel, of course, is Jesus Christ. Jesus is the one through whom God saves David's kingdom, he saves Israel, and he saves the world. world. He is the seed of the woman who God promised in the beginning. And with all of that in mind, we can start to understand what Isaiah 6 is all about. Uh, Look at verse 7 and verse 8. Isaiah says, in Isaiah chapter 6, verse 7, Before she was in labor, she gave birth. Before her pain came, she delivered a male child. Who has heard such a thing? Who has seen such things? Shall the earth be made to give birth in one day? Or shall a nation be born at once? For as soon as Zion was in labor, she gave birth to her children. You think, well, what's that talking about? Who is she? Who's the she that Isaiah is talking about? Well, the she is Israel. And this is at the end of the book of Isaiah. And this is at the end when Isaiah has described how God has chosen his Messiah. He has chosen Emmanuel, who will redeem Israel. And in Isaiah 53, we've seen how he became a substitute for God's people. He took the sins of God's people on himself. And now in Isaiah 66, we have the climax when God has accomplished all his promises, promised before in the Old Testament. And he says, now Israel is giving birth. She is bearing fruit. Before she had failed, but now she is fruitful. Did you notice what it said? It says, before her pain came, she delivered a male child. Do you see what that means? She gives birth to a child, but without pain. In other words, the curse which came about at the beginning because of our sin, has been reversed. 
No longer is there pain with childbirth. There's immediate childbirth. No struggle, no pain, no anguish. The curse has been reversed. Uh, Not only uh, is there no pain, but it happens immediately. Verse 8, who has heard such a thing? Who has seen such a thing? Shall the earth be made to give birth in one day? Or shall a nation be born at once? For as soon as Zion was in labor, she gave birth to her children. Isaiah is saying the curse has been removed. And you say, how? How has this happened? Well, we see the answer in verse 9. Verse 9, it says, Shall I, God speaking, shall I bring to time of birth and not cause delivery, says the Lord? Shall I, who cause delivery, shut up the womb, says your God? In a nutshell, what God is saying there is I've done it. I've accomplished it. I have fulfilled all my promises. Fulfilled my promise to Eve. I fulfilled my promises to Abraham. I fulfilled my promises to David. And I fulfilled my promises to the world. Although all the world might be unfaithful, I remain faithful. God did not forsake this world, even though this world forsook him. Although Eve failed, although Abraham failed, although Israel failed, although David and his descendants failed, God kept true to his promise. And the way he did that was stepping into this world himself. We tried and we failed. We failed to live up to the expectations that God put on us. So God himself stepped into his, this world. That's what the name Emmanuel means. It means God with us. God did, through Christ, what we could not do ourselves. And that's why the curse can be reversed. That's why all the disaster we cause can be healed, can be cured. Look at verse 12. It says, For thus says the Lord, Behold, I will extend peace to her like a river, and the glory of the Gentiles like a flowing stream. Then you shall feed, on her sides you shall be carried, and be dandled on her knees. God says, now I can bring peace to this world because Christ has accomplished all that I have promised. What God is saying in this verse, in essence, is come to Christ. He is the one through whom we can find ultimate healing. He is the one through whom we can find ultimate comfort. That's why he says what he says in verse 13. He says, as one whom his mother comforts, so I will comfort you, and you shall be comforted in Jerusalem. That's the context of this verse. God is saying, 
the only place of peace, the only place of comfort is in his Messiah, is in his Christ, is in Jesus. Because he is the one who has fulfilled all the promises. And in Christ, we can receive God's comfort. You know, an earthly mother um, may be able to comfort a child who is afraid of the dark. I don't know if you're afraid of the dark as a child, perhaps. Perhaps you still are to some extent. Um, Perhaps a mother can bring comfort in that situation for a time. But only God has conquered darkness itself through Christ. Uh, Jesus said this. He said, I have come as a light into the world that whoever believes in me should not abide in darkness. A mother may comfort in the darkness, but Christ has destroyed the darkness. Uh, A mother may be able to ease the pain of her child for a while. They may have a grazed knee and a mother can kiss it or rub it better. But only God has dealt with pain fully and finally through Christ. Uh, Listen again to the last verses of the Bible in Revelation 21. Uh, God says, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. God's described there like a mother wiping away his child's tears. But the difference is, a mother may be able to wipe away the tears for a while, but she can't take away the pain forever. But that's what God has done through Christ. Through Christ, he has removed the curse for all who trust in him. Again, a mother may be able to protect her child from danger for a time, but only God has defeated death itself through Christ. Again, as Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. Something no mother alone can say. And lastly, a mother may be able to hold you for a time, but eventually her grip will fail. But Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. And I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hands. My father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of my father's hands. I and my Father are one. Jesus says his Father's grip is stronger than any mother's grip. That is why God can say in Isaiah 66 verse 13, as one whom his mother comforts, so I will comfort you. Because really that's the truth. Uh, The truth is all our mothers Uh, No matter how good they were, they were always only ever a signpost to point us to God, uh, 
to point us to a better parent, someone with greater love, someone with greater compassion, someone with a stronger hand. Uh, You might remember the story of Moses and how Moses was rescued from the river by Pharaoh's daughter. And um, Miriam, with great presence of mind, his sister who was watching over him, uh, says to Pharaoh's daughter, would you like me to find a nurse for the baby? And Pharaoh's daughter says yes, and she goes and fetches her own mother and Moses' mother. And Moses' own mother raises him as a nursemaid before she gives him to Pharaoh's daughter years down the line. In a strange sort of way, that's kind of the situation we all find ourselves in, or at least God's people. Uh, God has put us in families. Uh, He's given us a mother. Uh, But that mother isn't the end point. Uh, That's not the final place of comfort and security. All mothers are simply supposed to point us to God through Christ, where we find ultimate security. The tragedy is so many people reject that security. So many people reject that comfort. Uh, Do you remember what Jesus himself said when he looked on Jerusalem before his crucifixion? Uh, He was journeying and he looked out on the city of Jerusalem before him in the valley and he said, oh Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who slay the prophets, how often would I have gathered you like a hen gathers her chicks, but you would not. Jesus said to them, my love for you is like a hen wanting to gather her children to flee from the fire, to escape devastation. And he says it's almost like a hen who, who gathers her chicks to protect them. That's how Christ felt for his people. But he said, you didn't want to. You didn't want to come to me. You didn't want my security. You didn't want my comfort. And as a result, they were left in the cold. They were left to face God's judgment because they would not come to Christ. And that's the situation we all find ourselves in this morning. We all have the choice whether to come to Christ or to reject him. Uh, To safely, if you like, gather ourselves under his wings. Or to say, no, I don't want to. I want to go my own way. I want to find my own protection. That's why God's judgment still exists. We have a choice to make. Uh, No one who suffers God's judgment has anyone to blame but themselves. It's a choice we make to turn away from him. So on this Mother's Day, this Mother's Day morning, uh, what choice are you making? Uh, Are you resisting the love of God through Christ? Or are you running to him? Are you accepting the comfort that only he can give, the peace that only he can give? That's a question each of us needs to answer for ourselves. And with those thoughts in mind, I've chosen as our final hymn, number 766. Uh, 766. It's a hymn which describes the peace that anyone who trusts in Christ can experience. And it was written by Horatio Spafford, and as I've shared many times before, 
Uh, he wrote this hymn, I believe, uh, and it's got the, I think I've got it right. Uh, he wrote this hymn on a voyage uh, across the Atlantic Ocean just after he'd heard news that his children had been lost in a, a maritime disaster uh, as they travelled ahead of him. And yet he wrote this hymn in the depths of his grief, in the depths of his sorrow, he was able to say, nevertheless, it is well with my soul. He had peace even in his grief. So we'll close by singing number 766. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. So let's stand to sing 766.